Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, Israel's defense minister says a massive ground operation is looming in the Gaza Strip. U.S. Congressman Jim Jordan has vowed to stay in the race for House Speaker after two failed votes. And tens of thousands of people in southeastern Ghana have been displaced after massive floods destroyed their homes, schools, and farms. We begin with the conflict in the Middle East. Israel's defense minister has told troops at the Gaza border that they would soon see the Palestinian enclave from inside as a massive ground operation is looming. More than 5,200 people have been killed in the last two weeks in this latest round of conflict between Israel and Palestine. Hamas says recent Israeli airstrikes on refugee camps in northern Gaza have killed at least 18 Palestinians. An Israeli media outlet reported air raid warnings in Tel Aviv and several cities in central Israel as rockets were fired from Gaza. In the West Bank, Palestinian sources say at least 12 Palestinians and one Israeli officer were killed in clashes in a refugee camp. Meanwhile, on Israel's northern border, heavy exchange of fire broke out with the Lebanese militant group Hezbollah. In light of the worsening humanitarian situation in Gaza, the United Nations is calling for rapid and unimpeded humanitarian access to the area. John Gambro has details. We've seen Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, as well as Israel's defense minister, meeting with soldiers over the last uh, couple of days. They've been looking at maps that are highly pixelated out so you can't see the details. And we even had the Israeli defense minister say to the troops to get ready. Now, there's been no timeline released yet on when this ground offensive is actually going to start. But judging from everything that we've seen so far and just the tempo of these punishing Israeli airstrikes that we've seen on the Gaza Strip, it looks to be potentially soon. Uh, Those airstrikes have continued even in the southern part of the Gaza Strip. That's where the Israelis had told civilians to flee to to avoid the basically the pummeling that has already hit Gaza City to the north. Kind of forgotten in the middle of that are these captives. These are people that were taken hostage on October 7th from the kibbutzes and all those areas around Gaza, brought back into the Gaza Strip and are believed to be held Uh, in in the Hamas stronghold, whether underground or elsewhere. We heard some really emotional testimony from some of their families. They had a news conference in Tel Aviv. Uh, One described uh, one of the captives as being a nine-year-old boy who loved playing tennis and soccer. There was another who described their aunt as being affected by Parkinson's disease and likely not having the medication that she needs to be able to manage that illness. Meanwhile, we also saw uh, grieving family members as well as others gather at the Western Wall in the old city in Jerusalem near where I am. That's one of the holiest sites in Judaism. Uh, While they were there, they prayed, some wept openly, some called out to God, asking for these hostages to be returned. That was John Gambra reporting from Jerusalem. Nur Harazin has been at the Rafah border crossing between Egypt and the Gaza Strip. She explains the dire humanitarian situation that is ongoing in Gaza. Well, I am here standing on the front gate of the Rafah border from the Palestinian side. 
And even though uh, repeatedly Egypt said during the past week that they will reopen Rafah border, however, we are standing here now and it's actually quiet. The only people here are just journalists and media crews. However, we don't see any uh, movement, any action inside the border. So this tells us that maybe uh, the Rafah border will be closed. No humanitarian aid for the Gaza Strip. However, the humanitarian situation in Gaza is uh, dire. Even the water tanks at the hospitals or the mosques are uh, empty for two, three days now. Um, Regarding the uh, latest Israeli airstrikes on Gaza, there has been a series of a series of Israeli uh, strikes on the Gaza Strip. Even now, when I'm standing here at the front gate of Rafah border, we have been hearing the uh, shelling of Israeli tanks on the eastern border uh, with Gaza. That was Noah Harazin on the evolving crisis in Gaza. Meanwhile, U.S. President Joe Biden says he will send an urgent aid request for Israel and Ukraine to the Congress. He made the announcement while delivering an address to the nation at the White House following a trip to Israel. Nick Hopper has this report. This was really all about asking for money, saying to the American people that the conflict that's taking place between Israel and Hamas, the conflict that's taking place between Russia and Ukraine, they need urgently funding but really trying to make the case to the American people why those two conflicts that are taking place thousands of kilometers from the U.S. matter to American people. American alliances will keep us, America, safe. American values are what make us a partner that other nations want to work with. Put all that at risk if we walk away from Ukraine, we turn our backs on Israel. It's just not worth it. That's why tomorrow I'm going to send to Congress an urgent budget request to fund America's national security needs to support our critical partners, including Israel and Ukraine. And he tried to thread those threats together, saying that both conflicts were a threat to democracy. He also said that giving money to the conflicts would stop American troops from having to enter the conflict, so therefore no boots on the ground. And he said that this money was urgently needed. But it is a difficult sell. Bear in mind that the US public is war-weary after more than 20 years of conflicts in the Middle East with both Iraq and Afghanistan. Those have now ended. But the US is beginning to see some waning of support when it comes to Ukraine. Polls consistently show that less and less people support giving money to Ukraine. There is currently lots of support for giving money to Israel, but that could potentially wane. And the biggest problem standing in the way of getting any money to these conflicts is the fact that there is still no House Speaker in the House of Representatives. There's now been 17 days without a House Speaker, which means that Congress is paralysed, no new legislation can be passed. And when President Biden asks Congress on Friday for this expected $100 billion, they won't be able to pass it anytime soon until they put a speaker in place. Still difficult days ahead in terms of getting this funny, this funding to the places that the president wants to get it. That was Nick Harper reporting from Washington. Turning to U.S. politics, Congressman Jim Jordan has vowed to stay in the race for House Speaker after two failed votes. Jordan's office says the House is expected to hold its next Speaker vote at 14 o'clock GMT on Friday. Capitol Hill has been left leaderless for over two weeks after the historic ouster of Kevin McCarthy. Jim Spellman has more from Washington. Conservative uh, Representative Jim Jordan saying he would not go for a third vote 
after losing the first two votes for the speakership. Uh, the Republicans then in the House began uh, a closed-door meetings. The, the focus then seemed to be on uh, giving expanded powers to the temporary Speaker of the House, Patrick McHenry. Uh, after going back and forth with that, there were major objections from some conservative members who backed Jim Jordan. Apparently, the meeting was so heated, people were screaming back and forth at each other, members of Congress, all within the same Republican Party. When the meeting ended some four hours later, Jordan uh, emerged and said he had changed his mind, that he was continuing his quest for the speakership, and that he would seek another vote. Listen. I'm still running for speaker, and I plan to go to the floor uh, and get the votes and win this race. But I want to go talk with a, a few of my colleagues. Particularly, I want to talk with the 20 individuals who voted against me. There are some U.S. political reporters that say that after meeting with the people that did not vote for Jordan, that he was not able to change any of their minds going into this next vote. That was Jim Spillman in Washington. In Africa, tens of thousands of people in southeastern Ghana have been displaced after massive floods destroyed their homes, schools, and farms. Officials say the floods were caused by the release of excess water from two hydro dams following unusual amounts of rainfall. Nabil Ahmad Rufai has more from a camp where many of the victims have been relocated. A trail of devastation across the Volta region of southeastern Ghana, entire villages submerged. Thousands like Achukwe Azivo displaced. She has lived in Mekpe, one of the many affected villages, for more than 30 years. She went back to check on what's left of her home. She says she still can't believe how she lost everything in the blink of an eye. <laughs> Behind me is my home, completely destroyed by the floods. The water gushed in very quickly and I couldn't take anything out. I thank God I was able to move out my two children and other relatives before the water engulfed the entire area. Ghana received unusually heavy rains this year, with experts blaming climate change for the extreme weather. In May, Ghana's meteorological agency warned that the country could experience erratic patterns but nobody was expecting this. Officials say the excess rainfall meant more water collected in the two hydro dams along Volta Lake than unusual, and they were forced to release the excess water to prevent the dams from collapsing and causing even more widespread damage. More than 26,000 people lost their homes and farms. Some of the displaced victims are being housed in areas not affected by the floods. Authorities say their immediate priority is helping the children who've sought refuge here. We are making frantic efforts to ensure that uh, temporary crises are organized for them before pending the resolution of the challenge. With many areas cut off entirely by the floods, people are now only able to move around using boats. Where still, there are fears the inundation could lead to an outbreak of diseases such as malaria and cholera. And yet, there are even more pressing needs. Things are very tough for us here. We need more food, water and clothes. The government says it will continue to distribute food and relief items to the flood victims. But it may take years for Achupui Azivo and her family 
to recover their losses. That was Nabil Ahmed Rufai reporting from Ghana. Recapping today's headlines. Israel's defense minister says a massive ground operation is looming in the Gaza Strip. U.S. Congressman Jim Jordan has vowed to stay in the race for House Speaker after two failed votes. And tens of thousands of people in southeastern Ghana have been displaced after massive floods destroyed their homes, schools and farms. And that's it for this edition of The Top Story a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.